spirit leave this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today Alright, we're back at it again This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant We're going to jump right back into the topic That we did last episode Titled Waiting by the Window And the understanding behind that concept Was kind of birthed Not only from personal experience with you, Mom The many times you waited by the window For one of your sons to come home Maybe a wayward son Um, But we also pulled text And truth from the Bible in what is known commonly as the parable of the prodigal son. But we kind of dissected it, and I obviously had the privilege and the honor to teach on it in church recently, and I thought it was more compelling to title it Our Prodigal Father. And the idea behind that word prodigal is something that is uh, recklessly extravagant or wastefully extravagant. And I said, look at the father in this story. Who is more prodigal, the younger son or the father? And we went through each step and each verse and how the father was openly, willingly, and ready to forgive the son and receive him back home. And we kind of had this build up about what it felt like, not only in your life, mom, to have a a son who, once again, maybe went prodigal in one direction and maybe even my situation being prodigal and finding myself in a pig pen, which was uh, incarceration. And then we kind of wrapped it all up and just talked about parents out there hopefully having the understanding of what God sees when we go off. But that's not the whole story, is it? No, it's not. Actually, it's the interesting son we haven't discussed yet, which we'll call the good son. And everybody wants to have the good child, right? I'm a parent. I wanted to raise four wonderful, good kids. And I think, Matt, what this story continues to show us is that God looks at different things and God looks at the heart where we as man, we still look at like when they were looking for a king, they were looking for someone that was tall and good looking and strong. And that's not who God picks. Oftentimes he picks just the regular folk who have a heart that's inclined to him. In fact, what was the story where the sons all came out and the prophet was like, nope. That's not the one. Not that's. Oh not yeah, that's that was for David. The Jesse brought off his sons out, right. and and David was just tending sheep. He wasn't even in the lineup. Samuel was the prophet, and he was sent to anoint the next king of Israel. And as he went through each son, he was like, "Nope, not him." And I'm sure Jesse, being the father, saying, "Are you kidding me? He's not not my oldest, or not exactly. not the best looking, not him." Do you know his resume? Do you know what school he went to? Right. And then Samuel goes, "No. Do you have another son?" And Jesse says, uh, yeah, we have David. He's out in the fields tending the sheep. Yes. Now, it's remarkable that Jesse didn't even call David in to be selected, mm-hmm. which just goes to show you even the father in that position didn't see the potential inside of his, one of his boys. But who saw it? God. God saw the heart of David as a shepherd boy, and he knew that he could raise him up to be a shepherd king. And that's leadership. Yes. And that I know 
a lot of times, especially teaching Bible study over all these years, and I myself being stuck in this kind of um, vision, and that was as long as our kids are doing well and excelling, and I had that, you guys were, you know, smart in school, good in athletics, and uh, basically good kids. You're thinking life's fine. Oh, yeah, we do church. Yes, we're Christians. Yes, we, you know, go to Bible study. But do we really as parents look beyond what the world sees as successful? And do we see the success has to do with how our children's hearts are bent towards God? Sure. So we're going to kind of go into the other area of the parable um, that we talked about in the last episode. And the idea that when the young son came home, the father didn't reprimand him. He received him. He forgave him. He did not reduce or decrease his role in the family. He elevated it to a sonship. Remember, the son's prayer was, maybe he'll at least take me back as a servant. The father did the opposite. He took him back as a son, gave him his robe, his ring, put shoes on his feet. And then, interestingly, the symbolic representation of the gospel, Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God being slaughtered, the father orders... For the fatted calf to be slayed so they could celebrate. And that calf, that exact sacrifice, um, is not only symbolic of Jesus, but it was usually saved for an extremely special event, maybe like a wedding. And it would have never been touched. They just fatted it up for that one day. So the fact that he chose this event to be the reason to slay the, the lamb is remarkable. Now, on the other side of the fence... We see the picture of the other son, the older son, the son who never went astray, the son who stayed under the father's roof, the son who now is in the field asking, what's up with all the music? What is going on? And a servant has to drop the news saying, your younger brother, he's back. And your father ordered us to celebrate. Boom! Yeah, that's amazing. Now, may, well, maybe for some families, the older brother would be like, my younger brother's back? And runs into the house and celebrates with the family. And you would expect maybe that should be the, the way it unfolds. But however, the older brother, he basically has a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And he says, are you kidding me? And mom, here's the idea. He probably thought that that fatted calf the father would use to celebrate him one day. Because he never went astray. He never was disobedient. He did everything the father asked. And now, are you kidding me, dad? You're going to do that to your younger boy who basically slapped you in the face and now he's back and you're celebrating it? So there's a lot going on here. And like you said, he was looked at as the good son. But what did God see? How, how, where, what direction does God take us as Jesus is telling this parable? And didn't you say one of the subtitles – Two should be the two lost sons. Yeah, the two lost sons. Both were equally lost. Both were equally lost. Now, one's proximity was closer to the home. The other one went, obviously, into the city. But both, obviously, spiritually, were the same distance gone. Right. And I, I honestly think this is so powerful because I know, and I said this in the last show, I personally would not, if I didn't have a knowledge as I do of God, I would have resented that now I know the way God is and the way he defines us and refines us. However, when I was growing up, to me, if you did good things, well, then good things should happen. If you do bad things, well, then you should 
be cast out. And it was kind of black and white. Right. God is just showing so different. And one of the things that this story taught me, not only as a mom who had a righteous attitude that God had a show, it's not about you at all. And I will show you that you think you're righteous and you think your good works are anything. They're not. They're not different. The works. They're nothing but works. And I think what this story reminds me, especially being around parents and being the way I was as a parent, it's not just about the getting and the receiving of secular stuff, like meaning doing well with your schoolwork and doing well in your athletics and earning scholarships and going to a good college and having a great job and never causing me any grief. That's all good. But if your heart is not inclined to God, then it's really nothing in kingdom purposes. Right. So the oldest son, when he hears about the celebration, it says that he doesn't go inside. Yes. He's like a stubborn little boy at this point. Well, actually, that's an insult to the father back in the day, too. But now the servant probably went back inside and said, um, your older son, he won't come in. So what does the father go do? Again, he reaches out to him. He extends the same mercy and grace that he did to his younger boy. He goes outside and says, son, come in and celebrate. And the older son says, no. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me, basically? You are you you are celebrating what he did? And the father says to him, son, everything that I have is always yours. Like, yes, you were with me. And yes, you didn't go anywhere. But your younger brother, he was lost. But now he's found. He was dead, but now he lives. Like, let's celebrate that. But see, again, in all of that, it's not moving his heart. Why is that? Because his heart is cold. His heart is not only cold. It's full of pride. It was envious. Yes. He was became bitter towards how the father treated the younger brother. He probably wanted to see the brother punished. Yes. He wanted to see the consequences. Well, here's an interesting point. One of the things um, that... In the Bible study, I was teaching about this. Imagine if the prodigal son had been met by his older brother instead of the father. Right. Just let's talk on that point. He would have said to him, don't even bother coming back. Look what you've done. And imagine how many times we in life do that. I know, Matt, you've probably experienced this to some extent where people are like, where do you get off having a platform? Why would someone give you a position working in a church when you just got out of prison, you know, that weighing people down and not letting them forget or get up. And and that's a self-righteous move right there. Well, sure. I mean, people see other people doing well and they'll try to um, not only judge them down, but define them by maybe their failure and say, you don't deserve that because of what you did or because of where you were. You know, we're out here and we're not getting those same opportunities. So a, a sense of envy will exist not only in family dynamics, but even in the corporate world or the business world. I mean, right. considering what the example I just used, I probably get that more than most people in this little area and where they see that I'm writing a newspaper column. Like we talked about several episodes ago, the many blessings of God in my life and me simply saying, huh, I have nothing to do with it. It's just because I surrendered and God will make much of himself through the person that says, I have no idea what I'm doing, number one, and God will just continually make much of himself. So... At the end of all of that, there's people that have a problem with it, and they have the older brother mentality that we're talking about now. Mm. Now, they may not have committed a crime. They're not in the newspaper for breaking the law. Um, They may have never 
uh, gotten in trouble in school or all these things, their life looks good. All the overt stuff, the things you could see with the eye. And that's the danger because the inward sins, as the Lord says, that what comes out of the mouth come, is from the heart. They're the dangerous ones, the bitter, the, je- the bitterness, the jealousy, the judgment, the pride, the self-righteousness. You know, I almost feel like sometimes saying, hey, probably be easier to define where your kid's at by the overt. It's a shame the inward sins aren't seen that way until it's too late. Right. They ravage. They ravage. At least if your kid's out there, listen, parents, not that I'm saying this is good, but if you have a child you're struggling with, you know where he's standing and you know how to pray for him. But don't look at the child in your house that's seemingly doing well according to the world standards. You need to know how to pray for that child's heart because these things do creep up on you rather quickly. And especially if if someone has a judgmental heart or a prideful spirit. So we got to read the text. It's just it's so dynamic. And he says, but the older brother was angry, would not go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. Remember, this is a dignified man in a position. We already see him running down the street, which was unbecoming of his status to embrace his younger boy. And now he's elated, celebrating. And the, young, the older brother's now giving him a hard time. He still pleads with him. The son answers, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Right there we know he wanted that fatted calf to be slayed for his, him and his friends. And the father says, no, no, the, the son continues. But as soon as this son of yours came home who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Period. You know where the parable ends? Question for me? No. It's open-ended. That's all we know. We don't know what happens after this, Mom. Oh, right. We don't know that, if the older brother feels some type of regret for responding that way. We don't know if he goes back in and causes more problems. We don't know if he leaves after this. So the open-ended scenario that God leaves us with is, which son are you? Or which daughter are you? Mm-hmm. Were you the one that went astray? And now you have come back and you are restored? Or the one that looks at other people who have gone astray and they're back and you're now angry that they're put into a position in society again or with many blessings? Which one are you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's how God wanted to leave it with our hearts. You know, which son do you identify with? And then an interesting thing in what you read was the son saying, you know, I've worked for you all these years. Look what I've done for you. Well, Right there's a problem. First of all, you're not, if you're doing something, you should be doing it as unto the Lord, not unto, look, I'm trying to please you, Dad. And I think God is trying to show us all the works in the world that we try to do to show that we're doing well, they're meaningless if they're not done with the right heart. Right. So the older brother mentality thought that the works would give blessing or the works would 
be repaid by favor. And there's many religions out there, mom, that have the work-based mentality or the work-based faith. And they believe that the more you do, the more God will give. Mm -hmm. And that can't be further from the truth because I like to put it like this. If we're only doing things for God or in ministry or in service out of a responsibility, it becomes heavy. It becomes a drudgery. We're supposed to respond to God. So it's not a responsibility. It's a response. My response, knowing that Jesus loves me and laid down his life for me, motivates me to not have to do, I want to do. It's like the scenario of a husband who buys the wife roses. And the wife says, you didn't have to do that. And he goes, I know I didn't have to do it, but I wanted to do it. I just wanted, I just wanted to do it. And there's a huge difference. Imagine that same husband who feels like he has to buy the wife roses. It gets heavy. Every Monday she's expecting roses. Every Monday you get her roses. As the weeks amount, abound, that becomes... It's a chore. A chore. It's not done, again, out of the sentiment of a good and clean heart. It's done out of a practice. And that's not what our faith is supposed to look like. All right, so then let's get into the practical. So the people out there listening, um, whether they have the son that went wayward or was disobedient or rebellious, and you're still praying for them, or that same son has come home, and he's dealing with persecution or um, the older brother mentalities in society or in the family having a hard time with receiving that person back because of what they did. What do we say in, practi- in practicality to the parents or the people who are dealing with the older son mentality? Or maybe that person is dealing with the older son mentality personally. Mm-hmm. What, what is the encouragement? Go ahead. Well, I mean, a Bible verse comes to mind is, um, for by faith you are saved, or for for by grace you are saved through faith. For Mm -hmm. by grace, God's grace, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor that he gives us, we are saved through faith, which means we believe. Mm -hmm. And then it says, and not by yourself or of yourself, it is a gift of God. So even the faith that you have, God gives you as a gift. Mm Why? Why? Not of works, lest a man can boast and say, well, I do more than he does or she does. Uh, It is simply by faith and the state of a heart. So we want people to understand whether you've gone astray or whether you've stayed in church. We'll put that way. You're still in church. You've never disobeyed. Well, it still requires you to have a time of not only self-reflection, introspection, and just ask yourself, where is your heart at? Are you only doing things because you are checking an item off a list? Are you only doing good works or serving because you think it's going to please the Father further? And I think most people in church can fall into the category of the older son, Mom. Because let's let's be honest. Um, then Dad said this about me. He's like, Matt, your life and, and your your platform today, you're an anomaly. It's not normal. It's not normal, son. You came out of prison and now you're going around sharing your story. That doesn't happen to everybody. But when it does happen to somebody, there's an extra attention on you. So do you think everybody's looking at you and admiring you and, and encouraging you? No, there's people saying, you don't deserve that. And I echo them and say, I know. I know I don't. But you're no better off judging me 
than I am by doing what I did. So, it, we, you know what? Matt Stokes, Pastor Matt Stokes, Coastal Christian, he always labors to get the congregation and even the staff to see from God's perspective. Yeah, I think that's the key. <laughs> he wants us to learn how to see from God's perspective. And I think if we can see from God's perspective, like the father in this story, we'll see each son or each daughter equally wanting to extend the same graces to everybody and wanting them all to respond based on that love. And not one of them should feel the responsibility to do. And I think that's what the older son was doing while he was working for the father, thinking if I keep putting the work in, if I keep following his commandments, that one day he'll reward me. He'll favor me. So what that really shows us is that he really didn't know his father. Did not. Yeah, he missed it. And that, that's huge. Wow. He, we could say he worked for the father, but he never really worked with the father. Never really knew the father's heart. Because if he did, he would understand that the father could do nothing different than accepting the prodigal. Right. That's a good point. That probably drives everything home, really, the, the fact that. He didn't know the Father's heart. Well, How many people don't know God's heart? I'll tell you, uh, I was speaking with someone recently, and they had something traumatic going on. And they've had a number of things happen to them. And they basically were like, I'm tired of this. What is God doing in my life? I don't deserve this. Ah. What would you do? You hear this screechy record? And I said, I have to be honest with you. You are missing the character of God if you think any of us don't deserve whatever comes our way. God is sovereign. I can't figure it out. I may not like it. I might not agree with it. But to say I don't deserve it is saying, God, I know better than you. And you obviously don't know me. So it's a dangerous place to put your feet. And mom, I read recently, and we'll close because we're at that time. um, If they're believers or, or say church friends... You have the commonality of Christianity. I believe, and according to many of the teachings and many of the commentaries I read, it is our duty and responsibility to defend the character of our Father. Because, hold up, uh, for you to say that at God's expense, I'm not willing to agree with it. God is good. I'll help you through your tragedy or adversity. I'll pray for you. But if you're going to sit there and badmouth the family name, <laughs> like, break it down. Would I sit there and let anybody in this community badmouth my father? Or my brothers? No. On that level, I want it. So why would I let another believer badmouth the character of our Heavenly Father? But people can get offended. Oh, you don't know. So I would say you don't have to with delicate hands or or, um, white gloves deal with uh, issues like that. I believe very confidently and boldly saying, like you said, uh, to say you don't deserve certain things is to miss God's character completely because he's always good. Always loving. And if you miss that much, you miss the cross. Right. Great point. You miss the cross. I mean, if we suffered every day with a new adversity, a new trouble, guess what? God still would be good. Yeah. He would still be good because he sent Jesus to redeem me for eternity. So I'll take temporary pains and problems and suffering, knowing that one day it will all be taken away. It will all be washed away. I hope people can remember that and hear what you're saying because that is a hard thing. When you are going through, you know, affliction after affliction, you can get weary. But please don't miss the point that God has it. And I do believe when we show the deference to our God and Father, 
by understanding his character, whatever's happening around us, God seems to provide comfort and peace beyond our understanding. So wherever you're at right now, you know, don't, we're not saying it's easy if you're being hit by things. We are saying God's character is the same through it all. That's right. So as we close down last episode, we are waiting by the window, hoping, waiting for that wayward son, that one daughter to come home, to come back to their senses, and you're praying. Trust that God has a plan for even them, and he's willing to restore them, redeem them, just as he did for us. Then you have that other son, that other child, or maybe it's you, and you feel like you are always doing what's right. You're always doing the next good thing. You're always working, yet you feel like you're getting overlooked, and you can sometimes become envious or bitter towards other people who you think don't deserve it. Yet in God's economy, in his eyes, we're all his children. And he wants the younger son and the older son. He wants all of us to just appreciate his graces and his mercies just for who he is. And then when we understand that, the heart of the father, we, based on response, begin to do. It's not because I have to. It's because I want to. We once again just thank you for tuning in. We always encourage you to share these podcasts. You can go to com and find the Matt and Mom live tab to get more episodes. You can also go to the podcast website or you can simply Google Matt and Mom live and it will come up. Please remember that you are the only Bible that somebody may ever read. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to have you next time. Y'all people ain't knowing He breathed in my lungs And spared me from Satan And now that I love even my loved ones They hate Wait patiently, pacing for me to fall on my face But I'm falling in faith Pardon me for his grace There's a battle out there Spiritly in this realm There's a God up in heaven There's a devil in hell There's a mother she's crying Cause her babies are dying And the father in jail with a son by his side But our father he loves us Unlike any of us Gave his only beloved 316 on the cross I know where you're going If you live in that light No one perfect among us But in the dark we are light Thank you Jesus I love you Help me spread the good news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth doing something different. Nah, don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time. Wow.
So more makes you think that you're doing something different. You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. I've been there.